to the 56th episode of the Friday Nightmare Podcast. I am one half of your hosting team coming to you today from Waterdown, Ontario, Canada. My name's Heather Powell. I totally reversed those. <laughs> so Heather Powell coming to you from Waterdown, Ontario, Canada in prime primo mode um, for podcasting. And with me, as always... Mr. Smoke Show Crawford, coming to you from the town of Swartz Creek in the county of Genesee, in the state of Michigan, in the United States of America, in the North American continent, in the Western Hemisphere, on the planet Earth, in the Milky Way galaxy. Fully vaxxed, boosted, waxed, ready to climax, and if you can, please get me wet, feed me after midnight, and I'm the man with the glorious beard. You are the man with the glorious beard. We were actually talking about you last night, Scotty. Oh, boy. Me and my girlfriends, Amber and Ann, we were out for some uh, drinky poos and some pizza poos. Not pizza poo. Oh, that's pizza really poo. Bad. <laughs> uh, pizza. We were celebrating. My friend Amber has been doing full-time work and full-time school. And she's a mom. Like, honestly, fucking Wonder Woman move over because right. Amber's the fucking goat. Um, but yeah, we were talking about you, Scotty, and how excited we are for your, your visit next weekend. So by the time everybody hears this, Scott and I will probably be in Niagara-on-the-Lake looking for paranormal investigators, <laughs> and we're going to go to a haunted museum. Uh, well, we're actually going to go to the oldest um, bar, pub in Ontario that an American soldier died in. And his ghost has been known to haunt it. So I'm going to send Scott down to the basement where the washrooms are and see if it, he will expose himself to his, well, not expose himself. I hope he's exposed oh, himself. Oh, maybe he will. <laughs> um, he's like, I didn't listen to Friday Nightmares. You like dick, right? Um, like, Hell yeah, I do. Right. And will maybe reveal himself is probably a better word. Um, Hell yeah, he'll reveal himself. Yeah. <laughs> to scotty and scotty can be like put it in my mouth (laughs) it ends up being like some bus boy and he's like what the fuck is going on (laughs) um so yeah we're really excited for that uh we'll be making lots of poor decisions on friday night i'm sure we'll go live so if you're listening to this on friday night we'll probably go live (laughs) after making poor decisions and it always happens it always happens and then saturday we're going to hopefully meet up with christian from the exploding movie heads podcast or movie horror, exploding heads horror movie podcast um hopefully we'll be able to see dave soon too now that the restrictions are gone yeah that, um that's finally, so freaking awesome you know we'll be able to hopefully meet up with dave brandon's talking about coming up here this summer um dave's just across the way in buffalo so that would be a nice if all five of us could get together that would be magical time so we will see 
Yeah, and that'll also be celebrating your birthday on Saturday. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I forgot about all that, right? Yes, we will be celebrating my birthday. I turned the ripe old age of 39, um, which I don't really is, is that old until I had a server the other night at the bar that I was at um tell me he just graduated from high school and he's 19 yeah. and he went to the same high school as me and i realized then when i was telling a story about that high school that it was from 2002 right and that's when i realized what age i'm at that that was 20 fucking years ago <laughs> yeah and you know what i don't think age is a big thing i honestly don't like you feel whatever age you are whatever age you are like i'm not someone to put and no one puts heather in a corner but uh yeah man you're right. My birthday. And I'm so glad my birthday gift is Scott being here. Oh, I can't think of a better gift besides maybe like some money <laughs> and some blow. And some oh, yeah. yeah. Cause you were totally all about the blow. I'm all, you know what, if I could afford fucking cocaine, I probably would do cocaine. If I had all the money in the it. world. No, why not? It's not good. Drug. Is it really? Yeah, it's addicting, isn't it? That and well, it just, I, I, I hated the buzz. Oh yeah, that's true. Right. Cause it makes you really wired. Mm-hmm. Like, would you, be, would you be like, okay, this is how, like, non-drug I am. Would you <laughs> compare it to jolt soda? How many jolt sodas would you need to drink to get the buzz that cocaine gives? God, I don't even know. <laughs> Five? Or, like, monsters? Yeah, probably, drink. like, six monsters, and you might get an idea. Oh, my God, that's crazy. I mean, I would have heart palpitations. And oh, yeah. I already get those when we do this podcast, stat, Scott, because we record on video. So <laughs> I don't know if I could handle any more help heart palpitations, if you know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying? I know what, I'm, I know what you're saying. I realized how sexual I was on the last episode. So I'm going to try to, like, <laughs> keep a lid on things this time. Really? Really? Oh, man, it was bad. I was all like, mm, fucking, yeah, <laughs> fucking face huggers and my, my vagina. Like, it was like i was in primo form um oh, you I, were having me crack up going back and listening to it oh, and editing it oh my yeah. god you know i'm just i i may not have much scott <laughs> but i have a good personality so what about you what have you been up to what's 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 going on in the scotty world Eh, nothing really um been working for 10 hour days now my schedule has changed so now i can uh I ended up having to take a break from uh, It's Not Horror, okay? Because yeah. yeah, with my schedule change, I had to do, uh, went from five eight-hour days to four 10-hour days, and I got to get up at 4.30 in the morning now. So I was just, I had to cut ties with that show just because we run kind, kind of late for me if I'm going to be having to get up that early. Um, but I do get to now choose what day I want off every week during the weekday, which is really freaking nice. Oh, yeah. Kind of basically like, create my own schedule. Well, and then you get like, you know, if you want to do something during the week or because there's so many times where if you want to do something, it's it's weekdays only. Oh, man. Psycho Gorman t-shirt just got right up in the camera there. <laughs> um, then you have that time off. Or if you want to spend time with like you have friends and stuff that work on traditional hours, like Tim, for example, yeah. your roommate works like retail so he's all over the place so when he's on or off or whatever so that that is nice that you have that advantage um, right exactly right but yeah i don't have anything really uh anything exciting that happened in the last two weeks like uh oh you've been going out to the bar more making me proud yeah yeah that is true i did go out and right. drink a couple times um yeah like uh well yeah actually there we go i went to uh see one of the movies on our list here that we're going to talk about by myself and then afterwards i was just like Eh, screw it. I don't feel like going home just yet. I'm going to go get a drink. And so I stopped at the bar right down the road from my house and ran into uh, old an old friend of my ex-wife's that uh, my ex-wife, an old friend of my ex, <clears throat> sorry, an old friend of my ex-wife's twin sister. And uh, 
he seen he noticed me and he was like scott so he had me come over and sit down and we uh and he's a really nice guy so we just sat down had a couple drinks talking and he was like nice. just celebrating something and then he's nice. like oh by the way uh because he works with my cousin's uh my cousin's wife and he's like oh by the way uh christy's gonna be coming over here with uh your cousin i'm like oh no shit so i just stayed and next thing you know it was like me going from oh, i'm gonna sit at the bar and have one drink by myself ended up turning into Oh, I'm sitting around chilling with like 10 people, my cousin and his wife, uh, and had about four drinks. <laughs> Which is awesome. You know yeah. what? Those are the best fucking nights when you don't think anything huge is going to happen, which is why I'm not over planning our weekend. This is the first weekend that I have not over planned. The Scott right. is coming up. My news come up two weekends only, but this is the third one and I haven't over planned it. We literally may go to a donkey sanctuary, which is 10 minutes away from my house, or we'll go see Christian. Both are seeing pets and petting a donkey. So either way we get that experience. <laughs> um, and then the Sunday or the Friday, we're just going down to Niagara on the lake to have a drink at this inn and walk Scotty around in case he decides that he ever wants to go there for a trip with somebody someday. Right. Um, I, I am not a, like, I've been to Niagara on the Lake so many times people fucking love it. Honestly, Scott, you're, I know you're going to be like, Oh my God, it's so beautiful. Oh, I'm, I'm sure like, I'm yeah, it you. is. And then like fucking Niagara on the Lake. Like everyone loves Niagara on the Lake. Everybody. Um, like they love Niagara Falls. Everyone loves that shit too. Oh yeah. Um, so that will be, it's good that you've been warming up with your drinking because I don't, <laughs> I don't want to overwhelm you. Oh, and also that same night I have to give a shout out. Cause, uh, when I was going to see X, there was four people in my theater, unfortunately, um, on a Saturday night. So really unfortunate that there were only four people in the theater. But one of the people, I'm just sitting there while the tra trailers haven't even started yet. But all of a sudden, I hear, Scott, I look up, and there's a guy. I'm like, I can barely see who it is just because it was dark in there. And I'm like looking, and all of a sudden, hey, it's my buddy Kenneth from uh, the old uh, Horror Drunks podcast, my old co-host who I did not know was in the area anymore. I thought he had moved away to another state and we had just kind of lost contact. So it was really cool seeing him and getting caught up with him. Like That's I had awesome. no idea he was around. Is he uh, interested in joining Friday Nightmares? I have no idea. You didn't I... put it out to him? Be like, so I got this chick. I've been trying <laughs> to get rid of her. <laughs> well, Would you be Weren't interested? you the one trying to get rid of me after watching a certain movie yesterday? Oh, you know what? I kid. That was, that was, Father's Day just represents Canadian culture at its finest. Um, that's exactly what we do up here. So I was just really glad to see a movie reflecting life. Um, yes, we will be on a guest spot. So for those of you who don't know, we will be on, okay, let's see if I can do this. The internal darkness of the not so spotless mind podcast. You did. With Kate and Matt. Um, I can't call them the C words because they're not our Aussie friends, but they're going to have <laughs> us on, um, and we're really pumped. And whatever the two movies that we're covering, I don't know, I don't think it's a secret. By the time people listen to this, that show should be out. It's Cemetery Man and Father's Day, and Scott picked them. And I watched Father's Day yesterday and literally throughout the day. I was like, why? Honestly. <laughs> oh my God, Scott. Because it's amazing. And you know what? Here's the thing for such a confusing movie, like with you can follow the plot. Like it is the most confusing, clear movie I've ever watched before in my life. It like totally it's, is. It's, it's random, but you're like, oh, I get what's going on though. Like I actually get this. Like I'm not confused. I understand the plot, you know, behind this. And it has a really high rating. It has something like a 3.4 rating on uh letterbox. Yeah. Yeah. Like it uh once again, I I like in my post I put Astron six uh as just that can do no wrong and yeah yeah like, i freaking love like what they do they just do such random shit they really do it's like our podcast um yeah. also we do such random shit like children's shutter i appreciate a couple comments i got back about children's <laughs> that was shutter. amazing i am very excited to offer children's shutter coming soon 
Um, I want to traumatize as many children as possible. Okay, actually, I do have a story about children. This is not traumatizing. So my friend's son, Liam is his name. He actually does the, he did the song for us. So our intro and outro song, Liam did for us. Yeah. Um, and he's 12 now, so he's like cool and shit. Right. So, but he's still really, really sweet. And him and I both have like, you like animals and shit like that in common. Anyway, I digress. So he used to video chat me all the time. Randomly. He would just call me and he would just like, be like, Auntie Heather, like, I don't know. And just like talk typical kid shit. Right. So he doesn't do that anymore because he's 12 and, you know, he has his buddies to talk to and he doesn't want to talk to his lame ass aunt. (laughs) But Thursday night, he messaged me a meme and, you know, asked me if I got it, which I did break it to him that I did get it. But like, I could not respond to it. Like, I was so thirsty for this kid messaging me. Like, there could have been 15 dudes blowing up my phone being like, you're the most beautiful woman in the entire planet. And I would have not given a shit because Liam sent me a meme. <laughs> like my friend's kids take priority. And I realized at that moment, they take priority over fucking anybody else. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Like, cause they're all going to have social media one day, even the young ones and guaranteed they'll be messaging me or they'll want a video chat. Like I could be in the middle of like, I don't know, the most important thing of my life. And I'd be like, I could be having sex. And I'd be like, look, we need to stop. I need to go put some clothes on. I need to talk to Liam. Because he's calling me, and that's important. Like it just at the world stops for my friend's children. It really, really does. So it made my night so much that I thought about it the next day and messaged his mom to tell me to tell her how much I appreciated him sending me a fucking meme. Now I get why moms like it when their kids call them, even though these aren't my kids. It just like lifts me up. I have another. We have a friend of the podcast, and I'll just won't say who he is. He knows who he is. Um, he sends me pictures of his son playing hockey at museums all the time. And like, he sent me a picture yesterday of his son performing in a school play or a, a kind of a dance recital thing. And honestly, Scott, it lifts up my day. That's like, awesome. honestly, I don't, I love other people's kids so fucking much. <laughs> like, it's just, I don't know why it brings me such a, like an incredible level of joy. Um, Maybe because I can love them and then go home and sleep. I don't know if that's really what right, it that is. Right, that could be. Right, but I just, honestly, the world stops when they get messenger and they message me. Like, that's it. Nothing else matters and I need to respond to them. Like, it doesn't matter what else is happening. So I'm hashtag, like, what's the word? Um, thirsty for my friend's kids. Like, they're just, they get my full attention all the time. <laughs> Whenever they're awesome. around. Whenever they're around. That's it. So yeah, anyway, that's my story. It's not really that exciting. It has nothing to do with our, our podcast besides that Liam does our song. Scott's poofing away on his uh his vape. Me and my morning nicotine. What's your what's your flavor right now? Oh, uh, what am I doing? Pear, green apple, peach. Mm, that sounds delicious. Wow. It's very tasty. Yum. Well, I guess we should get into our movies. Um, so we're not here all day. I do have to go partying tonight. I am making up for my double lockdown birthdays uh two years in a row. So tonight I'm going to Club 54 and I'm gonna get fucking trashed. Um, Hell yeah. Proud of so you. yo, oh, Scotty, I wish you were here. I wish I you were close enough so we could do double down birthdays. Oh, that would be so freaking awesome. Yeah, you'd be your liver would be like, oh. my liver would be like, what are you doing? <laughs> why have you made these life choices? Um, <laughs> but anyway, why don't we start the first one? Because you saw this first, and then I saw it. So I'll let you take it off or take it off. Oh, yeah, I'll take, take it, it off. off. Yeah. Yeah. Woo! <laughs> getting all sexy in here hot up in this bitch all right so let me pull it up real quick oh yeah he's pulling it up real quick yeah <laughs> phil ray you ready <laughs> yeah pulling it up for you. Give, you give you some of that smoke show goodness that's right 
<laughs> All right. So the first film we're going to talk about is uh, directed by Ty West, and that is the film X. Uh, in 1979, a group of young filmmakers set out to make an adult mm-hmm. film in a secluded farmhouse in rural Texas. Their reclusive elderly hosts take a special interest in their young guests, and a night and as night falls in, the couple's learning, the couple's leering interest takes a violent turn. Man, um, so I watched the trailer for this when it was like first like you know released or whatever, and I'm like, ooh, this definitely has Texas Chainsaw Massacre vibes to it. You weren't like it's a twenty four. Well, I was kind of shocked it was A24 because this is not your typical type of A24 film mm. where it's, you know, not the like art house style, like dramatic. This is, no, this is more of a full blown freaking slasher. It's, uh, but yeah, I went into it going, okay, so uh, I'm expecting this from the trailer. And now that's not what I got. I mean, obviously the Texas Chainsaw Massacre vibes were there, but like what they were showing in the trailer, because A24 is great at misleading the fuck out of you in their oh, yeah. trailers yeah they don't they like to play games at a24 yeah and i love it because that you love that anyway yeah, well, just, <laughs> well i mean i love <laughs> i'm just teasing you we all but, love games i love games yeah too. but uh no i love that because you know most trailers spoil the shit out of a movie and everything and you know yes. what you're gonna go and expecting yeah a24 is just like well we're gonna show you the movie but we're gonna show it in such a weird edited way that it makes you think something else is happening and i love that i and, agree uh, I agree. So yeah, I, I was excited going to see this. And this is the, the the movie that I ran into my buddy Kenneth from the Horror Drunks podcast. Uh, but yeah, I was freaking blown away by this film. It was more than I expected. Like for one, I was like, I need to see this in theaters because this is not your typical theatrical experience. Yeah. Like a porno type movie being made during a, in a horror film. So there's going to be tons of gore and tons of nudity. Sounds like something Rob Zombie would do kind of yeah yeah it does only there'd be a lot more like fucking trailer trash and, yeah i'll say much like, better yeah. dialogue in this movie than that yeah it'd be fuck this and sherry moon zombie bitch, would have been in it cunt. it would and sherry moon would be everybody every female character she'd yeah. have to play yeah uh but yeah i was i was like i have to go see this in theaters because yeah just the fact that it's this type of film i it's it's not your typical theatrical experience and i'm so glad i did because yeah this movie was freaking awesome it was super gory uh had tons of nudity, uh, lots of homages to lots of like the seventies grindhouse feeling. Yeah, uh, grindhouse very seventies grindhouse feel to it. Yeah, like it it nailed that aspect. Like this, what I could have seen this being like one of the double features in the grindhouse theaters back in the day. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, Ty West freaking did it again. This movie is incredible. It is right now uh, tied for my number one with The Cursed. I X love this two, movie. Two, and yet again, two independent films. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I, this was an out, art house slasher. I never thought I would see an art house slasher. Um, there's one scene that's my favorite with that has uh, Don't Fear the Reaper plane. Mm. That was probably one of my favorite sequences. Yes. Um, I did find parts of it dragged out a little bit, personally. That doesn't mean that other people found that. It was just me. Uh, but the acting is great. The dialogue is great. Um, I think I was looking for a little bit more reasoning, but I don't think they wanted to give you that. You know, and yep, that's my a reason own, for that. Of course, right? That's my own preference. Um, but this movie was high quality at 106 minute runtime. You know, it will definitely be gracing many people top tens this year and, and as, as it should. 
yeah. you know, it's a great, great film. Um, is it my favorite film of the year? No, but that doesn't mean it's not solid. You know, like we right. rewatched actually a film last year that I wasn't super high on. I rewatched it again and, you know, I respect it a lot. I respect what it did. I respect the dialogue. I respect it. It just wasn't for me. And this one really wasn't a hundred percent for me, but a very, very strong recommend though. I'm going to call it out. Tim Davis, you didn't rank this film on Letterboxd. And now I got to go back and listen to your episodes because I've been listening to wrestling for dummies. Cause I wanted to see if I won the belt. Um, I mm. didn't, which is fine because Rob Humphrey, I'm coming for you. And I'm you, gonna, and, you and me both, we're going for Hungy's belt. Here's the thing, Hungy. I haven't watched wrestling, Raw for three years or SmackDown. And I still guessed 24. I got 24 points and Rob Humphrey got 28. Oh, wow. Good yeah. job. So, you know, all I had to do was read the results from Raw and be like, get some of the stuff that was going to happen. Anyway, that's wrestling. That's not here nor there. But this was actually a very, very good movie. I'm, I'm glad it came out. And yet again, if it's still in theaters near you, please go support it. It is on Amazon Canada. So you can rent it on Amazon Canada. And I think it's worth any rental price that you pay. Yep. And uh, I have to say this, uh, apparently, if it is in theaters for the American audience, because apparently it's only in America, stay for the cre- end credit sequence. Not in Canada. There's no fucking end credit sequence. So don't bother. Yeah, I was going to say, apparently that's why I'm saying only in America because even Tim Davis, he said he sat through the credits all the way to the very end and there was nothing. Tim and I were both sitting there respectively. He been, him in Australia, Tim Davis from Horror for Dummies. And I was sitting in, you know, Ontario, Canada. And I was like, what the fuck? And he was probably like, what the fuck, mate? <laughs> yep. Hi, Tim. Did you hear what I said there? Am I still rude, Tim? Am I? <laughs> I love Tim so much. He's such oh. a nice man. Honestly, as much as we tease them, him and Daniel, fuck, they're fire. Oh, they're like, amazing. You guys want to listen to a good like, podcast, please? Horror for Dummies, man. Any day of the week. And also, like, The Horror Returns. Lance is also another one that's fucking hilarious. Lance is really funny. He says really funny shit. So, anyway, please listen to those guys. They've also been ranked on lists before that Scott and I have never been on. So... <laughs> They are definitely better podcasts. (laughs) Um, So the next one is You Are Not My Mother. And all I could think of this was not the mama when (laughs) I first, oh, for fuck's sake, it's a dinosaur show. I love that movie. I love that show. Did you? I, I found it annoying as a kid. Oh, how dare you? I know. What is wrong with me, huh? It's because you're Canadian. It must be. Um, So You Are Not My Mother is an Irish film. It's actually filmed in Belfast, you know, because I'm such an international connoisseur now of films and traveler. I know these things. Uh, It basically takes place in North Dublin. Oh, sorry, not Belfast, Dublin. Look at me, not Dublin shit. Dublin. Housing, real estate, Char's mother goes missing. Um, When she returns, Char is determined to uncover the truth of her disappearance and her dark secrets of her family. Uh, This family is this family. This movie is very much slow burn. Um, I I did not enjoy it as I thought as much as I was going to, though I did find it very creepy at the end. Uh, some very creepy shit happens, but is very much a slow burn. So you need to be prepared. The 93 minute runtime does feel like a 93 minute runtime plus some. What were your thoughts, Scotty? Uh, I went. I, I realized I watched it and goes, <coughs> I don't remember what happened. Tells you how much Scotty liked it. Yeah, like it. I, I do remember the acting was fine. Like and you reading the synopsis brings a little bit back to my memory. But I'm still trying to remember what exactly. I, I know it definitely had to do with some folklore again, like yeah. in most Irish films. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just don't remember much from it, which is sad because like I said, it was such a well-made movie and like well-acted, but 
yeah, it just didn't grab me. Like this year, there's been a lot of films where I've watched and I'd be like, I can't remember a damn thing from them. Yeah, you know, that happens, right? And we also watch a fair amount of movies, so that probably has something to do with it too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it was good. It just wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be. Uh, but I do recommend checking it out if you do enjoy slow burns, you do enjoy like uh, possession kind of films, we'll say. This is available on iTunes, Google Play, Cineplex, Microsoft Store, and YouTube. And I would say a $3.99, $4.99 rental. It's a decently made film. Um, you're not going to be disappointed, I think. What do you think, Scotty? Just because I can't remember it, I'd say uh, yeah, three ninety nine tops. Fair enough. Scott says three ninety nine. I say four ninety nine. So you'll see if you want to spend that extra dollar for five ninety nine. <laughs> two, two dollars. Uh, did you watch the next one or no? No, but I have not watched the next two. Okay, so Night's End is uh, on the Shuddy, and not the children's Shutter. Just so we're clear, <laughs> regular Shutter. An anxious shut-in unwittingly moves into a haunted apartment and hires a mysterious stranger to perform an exorcism, which takes a horrific turn. Um, this film, I think, was filmed in quarantine. Uh, I, I really think it was one of those quarantine films because a lot of it does occur through Zoom that this oh, okay. individual is communicating with or like an online messaging board and he makes YouTube videos and stuff. Um, it's an interesting concept, but the ending gets kind of wonky, like kind of is a little silly. Uh, and it kind of starts off being really creepy and then it kind of just gets really dumb and it kind of has an ending that reminds me of one bedroom from last year. Um, like, oh, like two years ago. Yeah. Two years ago, which, but not one bedroom, but it's like the similar theme to that. And like, like, yeah, like some other shit, which doesn't make a lot of sense. Anyway, I feel like this movie was trying to say something that I just wasn't catching. Um, but it's an 81 minute runtime. It doesn't overstay its welcome. It's available on shutter and amc uh roku premium channel i would say if you have shutter and you're looking for something to watch it's not you know it's not the worst movie you're ever going to see if you like the whole ghost and you know haunted haunted house movie <laughs> then you're probably going to like this um but i wouldn't say it's like the best so the next one is so cold the river this is a movie that you will like scott really yeah i really think so i will be shocked if you don't so this movie um, is a 93 minute runtime. Some past won't let go. A documentary filmmaker researches on a town's mysterious benefactor and earth an unexplained evil while staying at a local resort. It's actually a hotel, but that's fine. This is another ghost story film. Um, the main character in it is actually quite a good actress. Uh, Bethany Joy Lisa. Uh, she's really, really good. She was in Thinner um she hasn't done much else she's done a lot of hallmark movies and stuff and i think that's really a shame because she actually wasn't that bad of an actress in this at all uh it's a very much a slow burn ghost story it does feel a little lifetimey at times but that changes dramatically when she ends up at the hotel so i did enjoy the story i did enjoy the whole doc her being um a film making a film documentary about this this gentleman and the legacy that he has of this town i thought it was quite entertaining it is available on itunes google cinepex hoopla and hoopla. youtube hoopla. uh i would say a 3.99 rental again i don't know if this would be on people's top tens but i do think it's a quality film and i don't think it's getting the push that people um that it needs and i think it has a lot to do with the cover and the name but it's a really well-made film it's it a lot of money was put into this movie so there's a budget behind it and it was entertaining all right sweet i'll check this one out then yeah let me know what you think i definitely will uh so yeah i guess the uh next film will <clears throat> i think both of us watched this one we did um, 
and that is All My Friends Hate Me, uh, directed by Andrew Gaynard. Uh, genuine but increasingly insecure, Pete is cautiously excited about reuniting with his college crew for a birthday weekend of memories, partying, and earnest reconnection at a picturesque English manor. Best laid plans, dear audience. That is a weird synopsis. Okay. But anyways, um, it's I found this to be uh, fairly entertaining. I'm forget. It's been like, I think I watched this in the beginning of like, right after we recorded the last episode. So it's, mm, so it's been bit, a hot minute. Yeah. So it's a bit fuzzy in my head right now, but yeah, it definitely like plays out like this uh, guy's just like paranoid of everybody making fun of him. And like, he's just kind of taking everything personally. <laughs> and he brings up what's this, this fucking work all the time as a, oh my gosh. Like he's oh. totally every five minutes. He's like, when I was away working yeah. with the kids. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Oh yeah. Like, and it's, it's a definitely like a horror comedy. Like, well, I'd say this is more like a drama comedy, little bit of horror mixed in. Like this is very yeah. borderline. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but I found this one, the dialogue I found very well done. The acting I thought was really good. Um, and I found it pretty damn entertaining. Like this won't be in the top 10, but this was like a fun watch for me. See, this was a top 10 contender for me. Really? I really, yeah, it hit my sense of humor. I thought it was really clever on how they painted what the friends were up to. And then there's a really awkward third act. Like there's a situation that happens that I was like, what the fuck is happening right now? I can't believe this is happening. And it's not, it's horror in a sense, but it's very comical horror and it's very light on the horror, but I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really funny. It ticked all the Heather, you know, boxes for, um tone of the sense of humor what they were joking about um even like the plot like I just thought it was so that dry real dry sense of humor and funny shit that happened just killed me like the one dude that does blow the entire time was hilarious blow a lot in this episode but um like that guy was hilarious and then like and the guy the fact that he kept bringing up his missions trip was really funny too like every five seconds he would be like finding a way to work it into the conversation yep. really really funny <laughs> we all know people that are like that if they're like that's, that's like me trying to bring up our uh, my podcast in any conversation <laughs> oh, yeah. you know I'm a podcaster right right well and that at least is interesting um i think not that yeah Anyway, it's how this guy brings it up. I should, you know, do missionary work. I'm not slagging on you. He likes doing it missionary style. Uh, Maybe he does too. I don't know. That could be the case. We don't get that brought up in here, but that could (laughs) definitely be the case. A lot of people do. That tends to be a lot of people's favorite position. Yep. Um, Right? You know, it's easy to do, easy to get into. Just like me, I'm easy to do. No fuss, no muss, right? (laughs) See, I'm the one that could be sexual this this episode. Yeah, like really, I'm all like... (laughs) Gosh, Scott, leave something to the imagination. I ain't leaving shit to the imagination. Like, you want imagination? Let me take you there. Let me take yeah. you to my imagination land, baby. Yeah. Just you wait, Kate and Matt. You don't know what you're fucking getting into with us. <laughs> we are so sorry. Oh, man, I can't wait. It's going to be great. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Running your smack mouth. We'll see how it goes when I show up at the UK because I'm actually going, Matt. So be careful. Um, all right, so this movie, All My Friends Are Dead is, on, is available on iTunes. Or sorry, All My Friends Hate Me, not All My Friends Are Dead. That was from last year. <laughs> all My Friends Hate Me, iTunes, Google Play, Amazon, YouTube, and Cineplex. I agree that it's worth any kind of rental if you like horror comedies, if you like British-style humor. Yeah, You really got to be into British-style humor. If you're not, skip over this one because you're not going to like it. So yeah, save I, yourself the time. I agree. Like, I think this is worth like pretty much any rental price because, yeah, it's it's a fun watch. Like I said, it may not be, it won't be in my top 10, but like, I still had a lot of fun with it. 
I'm going to let you introduce the next one because I know you haven't seen the one after that. And then you have like, yeah, so we'll just, you go ahead. All right. So the next one is called uh, Barbarians, which when I seen the name, I was just like, ooh, fantasy possibly. And then I seen the cover and I'm going, oh, no fantasy. You mean this wasn't your fantasy? Oh, maybe. Maybe it was. Uh, let me get the director's name real quick. Uh, directed by Charles Dorfman. A civilized dinner party in a country house sees four friends, Lucas, Adam, Chloe, and Eve, coming together for a birthday celebration. As the night progresses, secrets and lies force themselves into the light and polite pretensions are dropped. A knock at the door reveals three masked intruders with an agenda of their own. And yeah, so this film stars, uh, what the hell? I can't remember. Okay, let me pull the actor's name up because he Tom is also Colin? from... Huh? Tom Colin? Colin? Maybe? Let me... No, uh, Ewan Rian as Adam. Um, oh, okay. He played Ramsey Bolton, one of the most vicious fucking uh, enemies in Game of Thrones. Like, he was a fucking mean bastard. Mm. To see him in this film as kind of more of a docile, just nice, quiet guy that just kind of has, like, his moments of snapping. Like, it was interesting to see him play, like, a completely different style role, because he was sadistic as fuck in Game of Thrones. And uh, but uh, yeah, this I was I will say with this film, like I, the acting was really good. I loved a lot of the dialogue between all the characters. Like it was definitely building up that tension of like secrets being kept quiet. I loved this film up until the third act when the intruders bing, bing. show up. Bing, bing. Like I was so involved, invested. But once those intruders show up, it just fell flat for me. It was, it went from a movie that you thought was about something else. Yeah. Like Vibarian vibes is what I was getting. Yeah. Right. With what they were setting out about certain things about where this like establishment was. And then, you know, you're getting a little bit of the invitation vibes with the conversation and shit. And then it turns into like fucking home invasion, stranger shit, purgy stuff. Yeah. With a, what would you call that in a motive that really didn't need to know what they did and it just and it went too fast like it was they there was really no tension build up when all that happened like the tension build up was the stuff going on between the friends and that building up that was good yes tension. yes but then I when agree. the third act hit there really just was nothing i agree with you 100 percent. it was it was a movie that could have been really great but it was just average you yeah. know, um, yeah, like I could rewatch me... the first two or I, I could rewatch the first and second piece of this film over and over and over again. I loved it that much. Yeah, the dialogue's yeah, really that, good. Yeah, that third act, though. No, you know, what reminded me. I remember we saw that movie about when the couple goes to the Airbnb and it came out in 2020. And yeah. And like it had, like you find out people are cheating on each other and like all this other shit and like, and then like it turns into a home invasion film. Yeah. Yeah. It felt like that. Like, it, <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? It did. Yeah. It felt like that. And I, I just, you know, yet again, it, it wasn't horrible, but it definitely wasn't one that I would, you know, be like, oh, you must go out and watch it. But if, you know, you like home invasions and you like a little bit of plot twist in your movie, I don't know, maybe this is for you. Yeah, um, I'd say definitely still check it out. Cause uh, yeah, if anything, just for the, uh, first two acts yeah yeah i would say so the first two act the acting and the writing is really good it's really yeah. solid yeah um so it's available on itunes google voodoo amazon and youtube i said youtube again youtube double time not children shutter though just so we're clear it's not youtube part two 
yeah, there's double YouTubes now. There's the Heather YouTube <laughs> that I own. I love that you're creating all these new services. It's great. You know, because we don't have enough streaming services. No. I feel like we're, our society is definitely lacking streaming services. We totally um, are. We totally are. And I'll talk about the next one because I don't believe you've seen this. It's called nope. Homebound. This one is a 71 minute runtime. It is a, a, a film festival film that has been moved from you know, film festivals, someone's picked it up. It will be released soon. I think this is going to be released on the Shuddy later this year. We just happened to have a screening from a good friend's Plex. Um, it's a 71 minute runtime. It's not a bad film. It's not. It's really well acted. The dialogue's really good and it is really creepy, but none of it is really surprising. Like you'll get to the final act and they'll be like, yeah, I called that in the first 10 minutes of this fucking movie. Um, so you know what's going to happen throughout. If you like the idea that you kind of know what the ending will be and, you, and you're watching this situation unravel, it's interesting. Um, if it's on Shutter, I would watch it. I don't know if it's really worth a rental for most people. Okay. So, but I do think because Shutter surprises us with what they pick up sometimes. Yeah. And I feel like this could be picked up by them this year or next year. So we'll see, um, but you heard it here. You heard it here first on Friday Nightmares. It's an interesting film. It's a good dialogue film, but it's not a shocking film. Okay, you'll be able to call the ending if you've ever seen a horror movie before. Oh boy! Yeah, like you're you're not going to be like, oh my gosh, what? Mm. No, like that's not going to happen. Um, so yeah, wait to see where it comes out. And then I would say jump on it if you're interested. Oh, I'll jump on it. All right. Oh, Yay. yeah, you will. Yeah, you will. <laughs> um, so yeah, I guess I will talk about the uh, last 2022 watch on our list. And this is Let the Wrong One In, uh, directed by Connor McMahon, who uh, ended up being the director of the our one of our favorite clown movies, Stitches. Nah. Um, but this is about a 16-year-old Matt who is a little too nice for his own good, and when he discovers that his older estranged brother, Dico, has turned into a vampire, he's faced with a dilemma. Will he risk his own life to help his sibling with blood being thicker than water, or will he stake him before he spreads the infection further? Um, so, yeah, if you uh, enjoyed Stitches, I recommend this movie. It is pretty damn hilarious. The dialogue is great, um, especially between the two brothers. Back and forth between them is awesome. Uh, it's definitely over the top gory with a lot of like the blood and stuff. Uh, I would say Stitches is still better, but this one had a lot of fun and there's a lot of like very slapsticky humor and a lot of uh, just like funny dialogue. And it's totally like the Irish style comedy. And it, they, it nails like everything about the vampire mythos and stuff like that. And like things they try to see what he can do and what he can't do. And it's, it is one that I definitely recommend, and I think, especially you, Heather, you'll be laughing your ass off throughout it. I probably will. I thought Stitches was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, funny. Stitches was great. <laughs> it was dumb, right? It was dumb as fuck, but it was great. Um, yeah, I'll check it out, man. Like, and I like the title, Let the Wrong One In. I think that's yeah. funny. Like, a lot, um, a lot of love, gotta love the play on the title. <laughs> right? And we were just talking about vampires a couple weeks ago, weren't we? Yeah, yeah about a couple sure episodes were. ago. We sure were, because we're, you know, trendsetters here on Friday night. Fuck yeah, we are. <laughs> um, but this can and be modest. found on iTunes, Voodoo, Google Play, Amazon Video, and Spectrum On Demand. Well, thank you for bringing that to the attention, Scotty. What would you say rental price? Uh, rental price, I would say four ninety nine, five ninety nine for sure. Like this is a solid eight point eight to an eight point five out of ten for me. Boo! Yeah. Yeah. 
All right. So older watches. Scott brought one today, by the way, everybody. I would like to, you know, acknowledge that Scott actually, for the first time in, I would think, months. I think he brought first one. time. I think we've, I think I've only brought one older film this entire year so far. Like he's really beginning to just be one for the team. Um, <laughs> let's see if I can. Oh, here it is. So the one I'm going to talk about is the Hounds of Baskerville. 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 Bas- yeah, Baskerville. Baskervilles. Uh, 1959, 87 minute runtime with the late great Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee. Mm. Everyone knows them. You know, I feel like Gods. my friend from England is quite unimpressed that it's taken me this long to watch this film, but well, I don't watch old films. So that this one had puppies in it, which is why I decided to watch it. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I But I was a little disappointed about the lack of hound dogs. There was only one scene with a bunch of hound dogs, and then there was the final scene with a hound. And would you say the puppies that were in it, you could be like, you ain't nothing but a hound dog. Oh, Yes. And their little floppy ears and their little curly tails oh, and they were making the movies and they were just being fluffy bum bums. Uh, but you know, I did really enjoy the dialogue of this film. I I really enjoyed the kind of formal speaking that they do with each other, the the real formal formal British English and the interactions that occur. Uh, it's a Sherlock Holmes story, right? So it's a you know murder mystery kind of thing. And I'll be honest, I was surprised who the killer was when it got to who it was. I was like, ah. Oh. Yeah. that makes sense yeah i didn't see that coming that's not who i thought it was i had my money on somebody else completely so good for you movie because it takes a lot to trick this person that is true you do usually pick up on twists and reveals pretty early on i do and i had no idea um i think peter cushing's okay but i think christopher leaves a better actor i know i know if mark heard that right now i should tell him i say that when i'm in the uk i mean i don't know i don't know if i could compare the two like who i would think is better but yeah to say peter cushing is okay well you know what in all fairness i've seen him in two films so it's not like i have a really big i like vincent price more i mean yeah i mean obviously everyone knows my love for fucking vincent price yeah peter cushing was very likable in his role as sherlock holmes I really do think he was a good fit for that. Um, anyway, and it's a Hammer film. So I'm trying to watch more older films, uh, not tons. I'm never going to be like the Liz's. Thank you, Liz, again, for your suggestions um, a couple of episodes ago. Um, I know Liz is an expert when it comes to Universal films, Hammer films. She knows yeah, the she Universal knows. monsters and stuff. Like She's really, really informative. And I'm trying to challenge myself, much like she's challenged herself to watch newer watches. Um, I'm trying to challenge myself to watch them older ones because I do poo-poo the 1950s, 40s, and 20s, and 30s films. I do. Like, I'm like, yeah, they're boring. And it's not because I think they're sexist either. I know some people watch these films and they get really upset. Like, and I'm like, dude, it was made in like 1940. Like, when we watched it from another world or whatever it was, and the woman, like, all she did in that movie was make fucking coffee. Yeah. Like, that's what they did, right? Yeah, but I was going to say, like, you and I both, like, look at those films and go, well, it's a product of its time. Right? Like, there's movies I've seen where they use racial slurs, homophobic slurs. Yeah, like, that's not okay right now in 2022. But I get in 1930 why certain things were said. You know, it doesn't make it okay. And not like I'm justifying it, but I can understand at that time period why it was said. Would I have a problem with a movie using it now? Yeah, depending on the fucking context, you damn right better believe I would. If it's a Black director with black, Black actors and they want to make a point, you use whatever dialogue you think is appropriate. That is absolutely fine with me. Like there's obviously double standards. Of course there is. Yeah. Um, but like in general, we wouldn't have a bunch of white people walking around saying 
what they said back in these films, right? Not going to happen. So you just take it for a product of its time. But the dress was really nice. And what really stood out to me was the scenery in the set. Like it was breathtaking the house that they filmed this in. It really, really was quite beautiful. And I enjoyed it. So I'm looking forward to checking out some selective Hammer films and some older films as well. I was going to say, especially the Hammer horror films of that time, the set designs and locations are some of the most beautiful places. I Like stuff I go, like stuff I would like to research and if i ever traveled like you are i'd be like i want to find where this is filmed and like check all these places out i probably could try to do that yeah you probably could all right i don't think this will be my first and only trip to the uk i feel like i will be back to the uk many times in my life probably um, if they let me <laughs> no they're gonna be like oh this canadian can't come back she's too wild maybe right they'll be like you are not proper british she speaks badly about the queen her own queen <laughs> it's true i do speak badly about the queen but uh, you watched older watch hail and a really important one that is one of Lacey's favorites so oh really oh yeah i haven't told you about that story but yes Lacey really enjoys this film as well so yeah because i watched it because i did see uh I think it was Lacey who had posted about it because I knew you guys were doing like for some party massacre. Look, seemed like you guys were on a theme of found footage. You were correct. So I was just like, well, I'll check this one out because I have not heard of this one. So I'll watch it because I've found, I've got a newfound love and appreciation for found footage now after we're doing our found footage episodes and all the research I did watching all the older ones. And I kind of went on a uh, binge for like three days. I think I watched like five or six different found footage films that I'd never seen before and enjoyed most of them. But uh, this nice. one was the one that stood out to me because I didn't know exactly what to expect from this film. But it's uh, Afflicted from 2013, directed by Derek Lee and Cliff Prouse. Uh, two friends tour of uh, two friends' tour of Europe takes a dark turn when one of them contracts a mysterious illness. They race to find out what it is and how to cure it before the sickness consumes him completely. And this kind of plays out like the whole social media thing there documenting their trip around the world and stuff like that and then yeah uh, one guy ends up uh, hooking up with this girl at a club and he wakes up and has like this uh, puncture in his arm and then all of a sudden he's like starting to get sick and starting to act weird and can't eat and like I didn't know where this film was gonna go I'm not even gonna spoil that because I mean I know it's an older watch but for people who haven't seen it this like I was actually I expected it to go a different path and then when it revealed what it was I was just like oh shit okay uh, but yeah, this film is pretty uh, interesting and uh, actually, you know, did one of the things that most fun footages don't do. And that was, you know, they actually had a reason why they were recording everything and kept recording everything during yep. the events. Yeah. And I thought this was a very entertaining watch. Like I was pretty much hooked from beginning to end. Um, I liked the characters. I liked and disliked the characters at the same time. Like they actually made you feel something. So I thought the acting was really well done. Um, so, but yeah, I recommend Afflicted 2013. I like, especially like, like I said, I'd like to talk about it more, but I don't want to spoil it here. Legit. It's a great film. We covered in the Slumber Party Massacre, so you can hear us talk about it there as well. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a really solid found footage film. Check it out. If you haven't had a chance to, you'll really, really enjoy it. Um, for what's new, I brought to our what new, what's new section, a documentary I saw on Netflix. And it was called The Worst Roommate Ever. And it's a limited series documentary. And it's only four episodes. But, uh, well, the four one is a part one and part two, the fourth episode. But it talks about situations of roommates. So there's a story of the older woman who killed 
um, a bunch of her tenants for life insurance policies and collect oh their pensions and shit. Yeah. And got away with it for years because she was old. Um, there's another one about a guy who basically tried to murder a girl. He ran a boarding house in uh, Costa Rica and tried to murder somebody and then a roommate situation that went really bad and then a bunch of stuff about squatters and people who have responded to ads moved in and i guess in the states there's some laws that once you get your mailing address like mail sent to that address it doesn't you you live there and you can't just evict the person yep so you can be stuck having them there forever yeah, and I bet, I wonder, it makes me wonder if one of the, I think, I can't remember if it was in Detroit or not, but there was a story of, yeah, this uh, couple moved, to, uh, went to, went on vacation or something like that and came back and there were squatters there that had changed their address to that house and they were forced to be roommates with them in their own yeah, house. which is crazy. Yeah. Right? Like, I don't get how that law exists, to be honest with you. I yeah, that makes no sense to me. Really fucking weird. So anyway, this this series is horror adjacent because it's real life horrors. And I can't think of anything scarier than people squatting your house and like you get stuck living with them. Like that is fucked to me. <laughs> right. So many shape, ways and forms. Um, but yeah, if you're looking for something that's real life that, you know, does happen and how you can avoid it, I recommend the series. It is on the Netflix. Nice. Yeah. I'll check that out. Cause that sounds interesting to me. It was interesting. Yeah. But yes, the, uh, the book I brought to the table for what's new is this book is full of spiders. Seriously, don't don't touch it. That is the full title of this book. Um, it is by David Wong, and it is the second series, second book in the series of the John Dies at the End, well, the one I talked about on the last episode. So here's the synopsis, or what's on the back of the book. Warning, you may have huge invisible spiders living in your skull. This is not a metaphor. You will dismiss this as a ridiculous fear-mongering. Dismissing things is, in fact, the first symptom of parasitic spider infection. The spider secretes a chemical into the human brain to stimulate skepticism in order to pre prevent you from seeking a cure. That's just as well, since the cure involves learning what a chainsaw tastes like. Oh my goodness. <laughs> but yeah, this is basically another story with John and Dave from John Dies at the End and uh, their weird ass antics that and comedic and dark twisted things that go on during this because once again, they're still using the soy sauce to like kind of like investigate and kind of fight off these weird alien other realm creatures. But yes, this one involves these spiders that will latch themselves like will latch themselves into your throat. Like, we'll actually get inside your mouth and, like, get in your throat and then basically control you, even though you have no idea you have one at, uh, in you. And eventually, it kind of reminds me of the thing, in a way, because eventually the spider will just take full control and, like, all of a sudden, like, these limbs will rip out of their arms and, like, cut their hands, their heads will split open and there'll be, like, these giant claws and shit. Like, they'll basically mutate whoever they're infecting. What? That's crazy, crazy. Oh, and it's and it's ridiculous, over the top, kind of like zombie-ish kind of the thing meets the weird, strange humor of David Wong for John Dies at the End stuff, and it's just very bizarre and makes you go, did I just do a lot of drugs? I feel like <laughs> I just did a lot of drugs. This is the drug episode. We bring up drugs a lot in this episode. Right. right? <laughs> but yeah, if you are into just something that you're they're just scratching your head, or you're just a fan of John Dies at the End, I highly recommend this book. It is fucking great. It's gory. It's over the top. It's ridiculous. It's everything I'd wanted it to be. And it has been rumored for a long time that this was going to get turned into a movie. But yeah, I think uh, I don't think that's ever going to happen because just like John Dies at the End, reading that book, I was absolutely 
amazed that someone turned it into a movie just because of all the weird shit that goes on in it. And I would be amazed if someone turns ever turns this into a movie as well. Like it's crazy. Never say never. This is true. But I'm going to hopefully before our next recording, try to do the audio book for the third one, um, which was, uh, I, damn, I can't remember the title right now. It's okay. You'll do the third one. Yeah, but I'm going to try to read the, I got about halfway through it and then got distracted with other things. So I, I need to jump on the audiobook for that one. Um, but I guess he's in the process of doing a fourth book right now too. So who knows what insanity will be brought out of that. When you mean insane in the membrane. Insane in the brain. brain. Um, Well, that's exciting. Well, thank you for bringing that to the table, Scotty. So we will take a brief break and then we will be back talking about Welsh horror, which is also known as the country Wales, which is located in the UK. Uh, We have located, believe it or not, four films that come from Wales um, uh, that are, I guess, either filmed there or they're you know, made by funding from the country or whatever the case may be. And we will be talking about those after our brief break. So after these messages, we'll be right back. Cha-cha. Hello? Hello, who is this? Who are you trying to reach? I don't know. Oh, I think you've got the wrong number. Do I? I'm going to hang up. Wait. Popcorn? You're making popcorn. Uh-huh. I only need popcorn when I listen to podcasts. I'm about to listen to a podcast. Oh, really? Which one? Probably the podcast on Haunted Hill. Is that the one with the two guys with the beards? Uh, yeah, Dan and Gav. Dan and Gav, yeah. That podcast was scary. I liked it. Most episodes, they look at two different horror movies. Each episode, they look at a world of a strange, where they look at weird things from around the world. Sometimes they even do special episodes where they look at different genres or directors' discographies and talk about them. Hmm. Do you have a boyfriend? Maybe. So where can I find the podcast on Haunted Hill? Well, you can go to legionpodcast.com, Facebook, Twitter, or just go into iTunes and search for the podcast on Haunted Hill. So, are you going to ask me out? And welcome back. As said previously to the break, we're going to talk about Welsh horror films today. So horror films that came from the country of Wales, which is originally where my family's from, by the way. Powell means well digger. So my ancestors dug wells. We were important. <laughs> we had a purpose. And then, I don't know, somehow a bunch of them decided that Canada was a much better life than living in the UK, and they decided to get on the boat. Like, you know what? Nah, let's <laughs> let's take our chances. Let's try to get the scurbies and see what happens if we can make it over. <laughs> um, but this first movie, I was shocked at A, who was in it, um, and how much I enjoyed it. Spoiler, but I'll let Scott bring it in. Yeah, I'll, I'll, before we even talk about the, like the movie itself, be out to say uh, I've known about this movie because uh, a lot of people that especially grew up in this time, apparently the trailer was really creepy for the time. Like, really? Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I didn't realize who the main actor was in this, so it was really cool to see. And I'm glad we finally, I finally was forced to watch it because yeah, spoiler alert, I also really fucking dug it. Yeah, I thought it was great. It was it was a really but you know what? When you have and I forgot to add the sir, the sir. Yeah. Um, you know, but when you have this individual, it's hard not to have a good fucking film. Right. 
Man. All right, so yeah, let's just jump right into it. So the movie we are hinting at here is Magic, which was released November 8th, 1978. Corky, played by Sir Anthony Hopkins, a failed ma magician, adopts a new ventriloquist act with an abrasive dummy named Fats and suddenly finds himself lined up for a television show. When the unbalanced Corky fears he won't pass the required mental exam, he runs away with Fats to his hometown where he meets an old love from high school, Peggy, played by Anne Margaret. Corky, persu Corky persuades Peggy to leave her loveless marriage, but Fats, who seems to be taking on a mind of his own, doesn't approve of the relationship. Oh, this movie, man. Yeah, this oh. movie was incredible, and uh, for a film from 1978, handled the uh, mental illness uh, topic very well. Yeah, and like, I, I'm going to sound, I put that down to Anthony Hopkins' acting abilities. Like, yes. he just... Uh, <sighs> And I, and I guess this is a loosely based horror movie. Some people could say it's a thriller. You know what? People would say it's a thriller because Anthony Hopkins was in it and they don't want to pretend that he was in a horror movie, but this is a right. horror movie. Yeah. Um, you're talking about a, a dummy that may or may not be alive. Um, it was really, really interesting to see. Um, like, what are your initial thoughts, Scotty? Uh, well, my initial thoughts are, yeah, Anthony Hopkins, fucking amazing. Anne Margaret, amazing. The acting oh, yeah. in this was just so well done. I loved the story of this, just like where you see him in the beginning, just trying his regular act and he's failing as a magician and mm -hmm. then decides to add fats to his uh add, add to his act and bringing him out and like doing the ventriloquism with that and like how it like became a success and like and I love like how like yeah they pretty much hint right from the beginning like hey we want you to do this television uh, show but we need to have you take a mental exam and he's going mm, I'm not about that and it kind of gives you a hint of something that may be going on that he's afraid to reveal and I love that they kind of just put that out there right in the beginning like mm, it's not a good idea and yeah yeah because he freaks the fuck out about the possibility of having to do that um, examination. Yeah, like, to the point where it's like completely like to a point where like, yeah, he's he could make a lot of freaking money and be super yeah. well off. But because of the examination, he's not willing to risk it. And I also I have a question for you. So through this, you know, you see him. He's failing as a magician. He gets this dummy. He the dummy almost has like a personality like Corky is very mild mannered, polite, logical, quiet. And Fats is like says what's on his mind doesn't give a fuck wisecracking flirtatious with the ladies um do you think fats was his alter ego or do you think that it was something more supernatural i think it was i wouldn't even like alter ego i would say but uh, i would say it's more just like this is uh how corky truly feels but he is afraid to like express it himself so being able to express it through the dumb uh the dummy is his way of being able to. He kind of reminds me of the, uh, this is where keyboard warriors started off type situation. Like mm, you can hide behind the computer screen and talk a big game, but like in person, you wouldn't do that. That's a really good comparison, Scotty. You know, I'm, I'm on the opposite end though. I think it's supernatural because when, and this is a spoiler course, um, Corky, his agent comes out looking for him. His agent kind of catches him having this argument with the dummy, Fats, and, you know, is like, you obviously need help. He kills his agent and gets rid of the body. The husband shows back up of uh, Peggy, and there's an altercation because the husband believes that they've had sex. They did, but they both lied yeah. about it. Um, and he kills the husband because the husband finds the body of the uh, other dude. And I forget what happens. There's a reason why he kills the husband. Um, I think it's an accident. 
isn't it? No, no, because the husband finds out that uh, the bo- the dead body they found was actually his agent. The agent, yeah. So he kills the husband, and Peggy's going to leave her husband, but she won't until he gets back. Long story short, as Corky dies, Peggy starts talking like fats at the ending scene. Yeah, that is. Right, but I'm not saying you're wrong I'm at right. all. I'm I just saying that's that what this film does. Like, this film makes you go, was it? Corky's alter ego and now because she's upset and been suffocated she's now taken on that fat's ego like alter ego you know what I mean like maybe she's now doing it by choice or is fat supernatural and I think that's the best part of this film it leaves you going it could be either one like it could be both of these people were repressed they were both in unhappy situations and the fat's character allows them to express their desires their wants or Fats is actually a spirit, and that spirit is now gone into her. Yeah, because I completely forgot about that word. Yeah, her voice changes at the end. Yeah, like it's really, it's a really interesting film for that reason. Like, and not, there's not a lot of gore or violence Mm-mm. in this film. Like you got a couple of deaths. It's just the creepiness of, you see Corky wanting this life with his high school crush. And you see Fats make, making threats about it early on. He says something like, you know, I would hate to be jealous because you don't like what happens when I get jealous. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's like, um, and yeah, once again, like I, I love this film from the very beginning. Cause it's like, you don't even need the horror aspect of it to make this film good. Like it's just the degradation of uh, Corky's uh, mind. And like yeah. how he's just slowly slipping into just like, you know, his, his mental illness and like the interactions that's just done by Anthony Hopkins and the dummy it's incredible to watch like the performances alone. And it's just kind of eerie just watching like him suffering and having to go through this. And that's not even adding in the horror aspect of it because that doesn't even come to like the third act almost. And it's just incredible. Like the performances in this all around are awesome. It is. And it's a very, it's a slow burn. It's almost a two hour film, but I get why it is, you know, it does really build up the relationship aspect. And, you know, when you got actors like Anne Margaret and Anthony Hopkins, you can have a two fucking two hour horror film because they can pull it off. Right. Like they can capture it and, and make you interested. And I, I'm definitely leaning more towards that it wasn't mental health. I think it was actually a spirit. Um, and I have no proof of that. Like, honestly, I have zero um, that it was an evil entity. And I think you're leaning more towards mental health, which it could be either or. And that's, right. as I said earlier, the best thing about this fucking film. It could be either or. You really don't know. Um, yeah, and, I, and that's what I love about it. It's just like, because they do it in such a subtle way. Absolutely. And now nothing about this is really overly Welsh I, or Wales. I think it was just filmed there. Um, and that's why it's kind of seen as that. I didn't, I didn't get any indication. Well, obviously Anthony Hopkins is British. So, you know, maybe, you know, being a local film or whatever, but unless there's something about, you know, Welsh subculture that we weren't aware of, but I didn't catch on to anything that was no i really didn't either but like yeah like i think it was just maybe just filmed there and but i just realized all our movies i think have a flavor of mental health to them don't they and supernatural yeah absolutely actually (laughs) wow they're all mixed between is it supernatural is it is it mental health 
Yeah. Every single one of them that. makes yeah. you question it. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. We didn't do that, but of course we did that. Of yes, course. we did that on purpose. That was like totally our goal. That was totally <laughs> our goal. So we strongly recommend this film from 1978. If you haven't watched it yet, check it out. Yeah, this Find is a, a 10 out of 10 it. film. Oh yeah. Like it would have been on my top horror movies of, you know, top 50 horror movies easily. Yes. I think it's so fucking good. So please check it out if you haven't a chance to. So we'll move to our second one. We are jumping forward in time to 2017, but you know, there's only so many movies that come from Wales. So <laughs> right. <laughs> right. All right. So this is one that I had been uh, curious about because I've heard a lot of podcasters talk about it over the years, especially during 2017. Uh, but that is a dark song, which was released April 7th, 2017. Sophia has rented a house in the middle of nowhere, and she has paid extra money so that no questions are asked. Her only companion will be Michael Solomon, an, occult, an occultist who must help Sophia contact her deceased son. Man, this, once again, you're talking about like, uh, yeah, is this mental health? Is this horror? Um, this is definitely a tale of wanting, uh, of grief and loss. Mm-hmm. And how far a mother will go to find out what exactly happened and to even speak to her son. Because, yeah, like Mm -hmm. she buys this house to have this occultist come by and try to do this ritual and uh, contact her son is what she was saying. Yeah. Um, But holy shit, like like this film dives deep into the process of doing the occultist stuff like. Yeah. It is a long, drawn-out process, and they, like, show every little detail. Oh, and yeah. And repeats and repeat. And that was, like, so whoever made the director of this film and the writer of this film must have done a lot of research into occultism and, like, a lot of, like, the rituals and what would be needed. Because, you know, most of them were like, oh, yeah, you just draw a symbol and you say a chant and boom, there you go. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This one's like, no, you draw a symbol in each different room. You can't leave the house. You have to cleanse your body of this you can't eat or drink for this many days you can't sleep for this many days like and it's just this like long list of everything in this and this uh michael solomon is a complete asshole but it's because he's uh, afraid of what would happen if things got screwed up during this process and like it's oh man a, yeah it's very intense and uh just heartbreaking to see what this woman will go through just to quote unquote contact her son well, like the acting between Catherine Walker and Steve Omren, who play the two main characters of Sophia and Joseph, holy fuck do these two carry this film. Yeah. Like, and there's dialogue that he says to her that is so uncomfortable and vicious and made me uncomfortable watching the film. Yeah. Like, it's just this layered upon layered occult um, beliefs of connecting with the afterlife. And even then, you don't know if they're actually connecting with the afterlife or they're just fucking hallucinating because they've separated themselves from society for so long. They've denied themselves sleep, food and water at various times for an extended period of times and tortured themselves, tortured themselves like it. There is just some fucking uncomfortable scenes in this. And I give the two actors credit. I give the writer credit. I give the director, Liam Gavin, like, holy shit. Like this movie, you know, it's um, it's on Tubi and this is a free watch that you should watch if you like a cult movies and and if you want to see like i guess the truest like non like oh look we're just gonna dress in some robes and put some flower petals down and some candles and do some chants for five minutes like this looks at how far people will go as you said scott and it is raw very very raw it is a hard watch though i want to caution people it is a hard watch 
Um, and not because there's anything overly violent that happens to each of them, but watching like, well, I guess there is, um, but watching their characters kind of disintegrate yeah. is fucked up. And how they treat each other. And it is. And this, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's heavy. And like you said, yeah, this one covers like, yeah, is this like a mental illness issue or is it supernatural because of the hallucinations they could be yeah. seeing could be just from depriving themselves of what they need to survive mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. being isolated for so long. Um, I feel this one more is supernatural. Yeah, I agree. Like, I feel this one leans more to it, but at the same time, it is that one where you are questioning it the whole time. Like, what's going on here? And, you know, there were scenes where I'm like, is she not just hallucinating this because she hasn't slept for three days? Right. Like, because your mind obviously can only take so much before the brain begins to shut down. Like, that's just science, right? So, like, it's this movie, though, I did think pulled a little bit more from Wales. Like, I, I got the impression that they were in Wales and that they were you know, Welsh or British and that they were believing in this kind of practice or she was not, not necessarily a believer, but it become a believer or wanted to defunct it or whatever it is she was looking at doing. Like I did definitely feel like compared to magic, this was more of like a UK film. Like it felt like the yeah. UK, it felt like, you know, this was a British cultural film, but it was, fuck, and the ending left me super confused. I was like, what the fuck happened? <laughs> yeah, like it, it, left, it gave me chills. Yeah, like it was very creepy um, and a great ghost story. Yet again, this is a ghost story done right. If we look at yeah. ghost stories, like if you want to say that this is, you know, in that realm, a, a cult ghost story movie done right. Like this is how you do it. This is how you build good dialogue, get good actors that can make you uncomfortable, that can make you feel things like anger, frustration, worry, and you got a good film. And that's what a dark song is. Um, so please check it out if you haven't had a chance to. Yeah, this film was really, really fucking well done. Mm-hmm. Really good really good so i guess we'll move to our next one this one was very popular last year um our last two films are from 2021 so i guess we'll just say that we will be sharing spoilers from these two films um we know they were last year so i'm sure especially this this one that we're going to talk about next a lot of people did have on their top 10 list uh same Mm -hmm. as the one after that but if for some reason you know you haven't seen them and you don't want us to spoil them because both of them have some pretty big spoiler endings (laughs) So uh, please be warned. We are saying spoilers and those two films are, and I'll just give them away so people know when they're listening right now, St. Maud and Censor. Yeah. And we're going to start first with St. Maud. All right. So St. Maud was released October 9th, 2020. Uh, I think it was like a film festival at that time. And yeah, it, came out it in was 2021. It came out in UK. In yeah. 2020. Yeah. Uh, Maud is a reclusive young nurse whose impressionable demeanor causes her to pursue, pursue a pious path of Christian devotion after an obscure trauma. Now charged with the hospice care of Amanda, a retired dancer ravaged by cancer, Maud's fervent faith quickly inspires an obsessive conviction that she must save her ward soul from eternal damnation, whatever the cost. Once again, another film that covers is this mental illness, is this supernatural? Um, I was not the biggest fan of this film last year. Mm-hmm. I could see why a lot of people were. Um, mm-hmm. It just was not my type of film. Like I thought it was incredibly well-made, well-directed, like well-acted, had a, uh, had a good story for like exactly this type of topic. Um, however, for me, it just didn't really connect. Uh, rewatching it, I like it more. Um, I, I still wouldn't think it'd be in my top 10, but it's once again, I can definitely say like, yeah, this is a damn good film. Um, but I, yeah, this is one where Heather and I had a conversation earlier this week about this one. 
And I had talked about like, yep, I feel this is once again a film where this character is suffering from mental illness because anyone who is such a zealot of their faith to the point of what they do, what Maud does in this film, how she self-flagellates herself, how she punishes herself by putting like the knee, like the uh, thumbtacks in her shoes. And yeah, she walks around in them to punish herself for something she felt like her God would be upset about her for. And like forcing her religion down other people's throats and her beliefs. I feel anyone that is that far into their religion is suffering from some sort of mental illness. At least that is my personal belief. I, I think you make a really good point, Scott. And I think what really stands out to me in this film is the reborn again. You know, Maude is very much, when someone has lived a life of, um, when they haven't been connected to a faith or they were and then they weren't and they've made choices that they feel they regret, sometimes when they reconnect to a faith, they become very double down. Yeah. You know, it's all or nothing and they found this new light and they want other people to engage in it either because they want the affirmation and we all like affirmation. Religious people are not the only ones that like that. Nope. Um, or they just want a community and they want other people to believe because they really do believe that you are going to hell if you don't believe in God, right? And they don't want their friends and family to go to hell. So on a second watch, I was with you, Scott. I thought I thought this movie was extremely well acted. I thought it was well written, but I thought that it, um, in my opinion, last year, um, sensationalized mental illness, indicating again, that people that are mentally ill are more likely to be, to commit a crime. And we all know how I feel about that and what the stats say, that people who are mentally ill are more likely to be victims of crime than they are to commit one. That being said about this film, um, Maude's character is extremely well presented on a second watch. You get where she's gone from one extreme to another, and in a sense, religion's replaced an addiction that was a pre- there was other addictions before. And she's doubled down on religion to kind of help her manage with good intention like yeah behind this woman is a good intention she doesn't want amanda hanging out with people who she feels don't really care about her you know amanda's obviously well off she has a beautiful home she has luscious parties beautiful clothes you you, she don't get the impression she's in poverty you get the impression that she is financially secure and that other people may be using her in her last days um in order to gain that stuff and and Maud kind of opens up to her about religion and her faith and her choices and and you know that dinner party scene where Amanda slaps Maud is actually quite upsetting because mm-hmm. you know whether Amanda agreed with what Maud's beliefs were or not Maud had pure intention she really did believe she wanted to help Amanda and never is it okay to lay your hand on somebody no ever. And yeah, yeah, like everything that Maude did in this film leading up to like the events at the end were all of good intentions. Like she yeah. did just want to help who she thought was a damned soul. Like even when she she gives the homeless man some money and she says, and God be with you. And he's like, what? And she kind of runs away because, you know, she feels like she's going to get into a conflict. And here's the thing. And I think people who are believe in God sometimes get a really bad rap. I believe in God. I am actually a religious person. Um, Yes, I believe in evolution, just so we're clear. 
Um, I don't necessarily believe that Jesus Christ was the son of God. I believe he was a great man who did lots of kind things, but I do believe the Bible is full of stories that have been rewritten and revised by people who could read and write at the time, which was, which was very limited, Mm -hmm. but I do believe in a higher power. And, you know, I've been atheist as well. And I don't talk about my religious beliefs often because I just don't think they're anyone's business. It's my own personal faith. And, you know, believe what you want. I'm never going to tell someone what they should or should not believe. That's not my job in life. But it's interesting when people make assumptions that I don't. And I think it's just because of how I present. And when they find what I do, they sometimes get like, oh, well, I don't. I'm like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> like Scott's known me for two and a half years. I don't think I've ever been like, Scott, you need to come to the Lord. No. Ever. Like, no, like we've had our we've had our religious talks just because we wanted to find out where we both kind of stood on the topic. But yeah, we've shared our opinions. Yeah. But like I who am I to say I'm right? Who am I to say that I know what's going? I don't. Right. Right. It's just and, it's just something that you can believe in to uh, like feel better about certain things. Like and it mm-hmm. helps you get through your it life. It does. Like, and I believe that there's a greater purpose, right? And and yeah. that doesn't make me any better or worse than anyone else. But I think the problem is, is that there's too many people that do what Maud does, is you need to believe what I believe to justify it. And that's yeah. where you start to have issues. Or people are insecure in not believing in anything. I like to call them angry atheists. Because when you're a super angry atheist and you tell me, well, God's never done anything for me, well, you're actually contradicting yourself because you're saying God exists and you're pissed off that he hasn't done anything for you. Right. <laughs> Like, right, like, like for me, I'm agnostic. Like, I believe there's something out there, but I, I, I know I don't have the right or will to say what it is. Right, and that's okay. And I think what this movie does a really good job of is exploring how anything, whether it's religion or vices like sex or alcohol or drugs, can be used in obsession to mask other emotions and other feelings. Yes. Because that's what she does, right? We, when she leaves God, she goes back to a life of like heathenism, you know, giving hand jobs and bars and fucking dudes and getting drunk and just doing things that, you know, are opposite of what a quote unquote woman of God would do. Yeah. And you can tell she's not even enjoying it. She's just doing it, just do it basically. Right. And I I do think this is a great character study. And I really do enjoy the third act because in the scene where she believes that Amanda is um, possessed. um, Yeah. I was going to say like at that point, I think she feels Amanda's soul has been officially damned and now the devils did you think that that was real or did you think that was a hallucination i think that was all in her head okay i agree with you i think it was also an hallucination just Um, because of the very end scene where what she feels she sees of herself and what everybody else is actually watching her do i love the small little clip at the end scene so where she goes down to the beach so she murders a man like murders her yeah it's like a bloodbath like out of it her. is very very vicious and violent and in her mind she's releasing amanda's soul from the devil and she goes down to the lake area or the, or the water and she lights herself on fire and what she envisions is like her being an angel and people dropping down because she's basically like sacrificed herself almost like jesus christ like yeah you know the idea of jesus christ and then you know you get that quick glance at the end of her just burning her skin and screaming Dead people um, horrified around her. Right. And I, I I do like what this movie did. And I like how it compared 
unhealthy relationships with anything. Yeah. You know, you can have a healthy relationship with alcohol. You can have a, a healthy relationship with drugs. And I know that that's not a popular opinion for some people, but you can, you can have a healthy relationship with doing shrooms. Like you really can, you can use it yeah. as a party time drug. You use it when you're a good place and you have a good time with it. Hey, you know what, who the fuck am I to judge you? You can have a healthy relationship with sex. You can have a healthy relationship with sugar or caffeine, but any of those things can become unhealthy, mm-hmm. any of them. And religion is right there too, right? And I think that this movie is a really great exploration of this. We're not trying to get too deep in this and I guess we kind of did. Um, but I definitely, I, I wouldn't put it in my top 20. I still don't feel that way about this movie, but I definitely yep. have more respect for it and appreciation on a second time watch. Yeah, because yeah, I feel the exact same way. Like it's, it's not, it wouldn't be in my top 20 because of that year because there was just a lot of good films. But it, once again, it's not taken away from what this film is and what it did and why people loved it as much as they do. Because this, yeah, there is, it's a really, really, really good film and actually does take a good law, good hard look at like obsession, religion, mental illness, and just wanting to do right. And right. like it's, it's a tough watch for some people because I think it, it might hit, it might hit close to home for some. It is. And I always find, you know, mental illness, you know, yet again, I, I am never a fan of when mentally ill people are, are portrayed like this in films because I do think it adds to the stigma. Um, but I have come down on my angriness about this. I don't know if I rewatched the lodge, if I would feel the same way about that one. No. Um, because I feel like that was quite explosive. No, uh, well, next see, like, we like, cause you and I think very similar about the mental yeah. illness issue. And a lot of the times, the ones that we really can't stand are the films where it's like, Oh, she forgot to take her medication. Oh, she's a killer now because of it. Yeah. Yeah. Like this, or, I feel man. yeah, just, yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like this one was her not being treated properly and using religion to an extent that, you know, she really thought she heard God. Yeah, She really did feel God talked to her and whether she was schizophrenic or whether she just was, you know, that desperate for support and guidance, which yet again, religion can give you. I don't think mm-hmm. anything is wrong with that. I think it's just when you use it as an avenue to punish others, then you start to have a problem. Yep, right. or if you use it for use it as a crutch yes right it's it like anything in life it should be there to support you well you know using other supportive things anyway the whole religion debate is very interesting and people get very defensive about it mm-hmm. um and people get very upset if you say that you are um i have person and as i said you know and i want to make this clear i don't care what anyone believes in you know you do you at the end of the day um but i also think people are allowed to believe in what they want to believe in it is okay to believe in God. <laughs> it's okay are, to have faith. That's okay. Right. We are all individual and we have our own individual thoughts on things. Right. And we'll all find out one day who's right or wrong, like yeah. one way or another. And we, no one's come back to say otherwise. So until that happens, um, we just have to keep on moving what we need to, to go with. But this definitely has, I guess, you know, a little bit of British feel because Maud is British, but I didn't get a big Welsh feel from this or a big British cultural feel from it. Um, I think it was filmed in the States, wasn't it? Nope, it was filmed. Uh, it was, it was filmed, filmed over in, there. Where was it filmed? Where was it? It was like uh, some very like here, let me look at carnival th- town, wasn't it? Like there was a boardwalk and stuff. Yeah, because it was at a, there was a Coney Island. Uh, let's see. I'm going to go to IMDb because they usually have set locations. Yep. Country of origin is in the UK. Oh, so it was filmed in the UK. Interesting. Maybe we'll ask uh, Kate and Matt if they know where that was filmed. Oh, and language spoken, English and Welsh. Oh, nice. Cool. Uh, filming locations, Scarborough, North Yorkshire, England, UK. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, it was uh, 
anyway, definitely then I didn't realize that that was part of the UK. So I'm glad that I know that now. They also have their boardwalks. Um, look at us, you know, cultural icons here on the yeah, Friday. Learning as we go. And we have our final fill again. Again, this is from last year. So, you know, spoiler alert ahead. And I believe a first time directorial debut, at least feature length from yeah, a yeah, female director, so. if I'm not mistaken. I think you're right. Yeah. Uh, let me double check that before we get into this because I want to be correct. All right. So, yes, uh, this film is Censor, released January 28th, 2021. A British film censor links a disturbing horror movie to her sister's mysterious disappearance. This was directed by Prano Bailey Bond, and it is, in fact, her first ever feature-length film. She's done three different uh, short films before this, but yep, this is her uh, feature film directorial debut. Um, and yeah, once again, another film that kind of talks about like uh, mental illness and what is she seeing is is what is what she's seeing real or supernatural? What is going on? Um, sorry, I got a cat tied up in my microphone cord. <laughs> I know I can go for you, Scott. I'll talk. Okay. Uh, yeah, it definitely is a film that talks about mental illness and it talks about, I think, this person's life choices and life goals. So she, her sister went missing when she was younger, mysteriously, um, never found out why. And she chose to go into a, a job where she watches horror films or video nasties and decides what needs to be cut from the film and what can be stayed, which, which I think is a really interesting career choice considering the trauma she would have experienced as a right. kid with her sister disappearing. But um, anyway, you, you see that she goes through this stage where one of the films that they say is okay, someone kills somebody or does something to somebody that's similar in the film and of course the press blame the movies like this is the same shit of violent video games and violent films creating oh, yeah. killers instead of looking at social economic and other cultural reasons why that occurred yeah, and but. the video nasties thing was such a big thing especially in the uk because they were the ones that was where this video nasty stuff came from and the censor yeah. board there was way over the top about things well, and you could see why, like in this one video, you know, in this one thing, this guy stabs his wife in the eye or something like that in real life. And it was in some fucking movie. And now they're like making this connection that this guy saw it in the movie and just was like, oh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go stab my wife in the eye. It'd be like me watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre and be like, you know what I'm going to do? Get a chainsaw and right. slice everybody. Like common sense would never, ever like, I'm going to dress up in ghost face and run around and kill people. Like you know, there's a lot of stuff that we think now that we wouldn't have thought during this time period. But I think the interesting thing about this film is really exploring that she doesn't want to let go of the loss of her sister. She's still very much holding on to her sister is alive, that she exists somewhere. And then she like gets wrapped up that she's in a film. She sees this film and she thinks it's her sister. And she's trying to find this actress because she believes that her sister has been kidnapped and forced to be in these films like that's her perception yeah. um and it's just a horror film by the way to everyone who says it's not it Were there is. people that said it wasn't yeah fresh cuts mike merriman what? venom yeah hmm. yeah they don't think it's a horror film it's definitely horror i know they're listening right now and they're like heather's <laughs> but that's fine they are open to their opinions fresh cuts on the dark discussion page they cover all new and up-and-coming horror movies please check them out even if they don't think the censors a horror movie. So um, just kidding. Please check them out. They do a great job of covering films. We love them. Ellie's on that show as well too. And they do a fabulous job. Um, so I do hundred percent believe this is a horror movie. I don't know how anyone could not think it's a horror movie. That fucking third act is super horror. She yeah. fucking slices and dices people. 
the one dude dies in the fucking apartment thing. She's hallucinating through half of it. Like, I don't get how people don't think this is a horror film. But anyway, um, I definitely think this movie is more of mental health and grief. And the shit she does in that third act was showing up on set and killing the guy that he she thinks is trying to harm her sisters. Like she's lost complete concept with rea- like lack of reality. So you're like, is this in result of her watching these video nasties combined with trauma, combined with never getting help? Like it's it's a whole mixed bag of what is wrong with her. Yeah, because yeah, she literally like she's on a film set and yeah, like she's just lost complete sense of reality. And yeah, she's killing an actor that's being filmed at that exact moment and it's oh it's rough and then when uh, the girl she thinks that is or the woman that she thinks is her sister like freaks out and runs away from her and like starts screaming get away from me i'm not your sister who the hell are you ta- what are you talking about and like that's when it kind of dawns on her she's just like wait but i need you to be i need you to be and like yeah like and then just the ending where she's like driving home with in her head with her sister and like uh going back to her parents house and be like look who i found and it's all happy and then all of a sudden you just mm-hmm. get these weird like flashes of dark of them of the parents screaming and her covered in blood and then back to happy the dark to scary yeah. and just like freak it out and just like yep she's completely lost every all sense of reality now and she's gone like, the editing was so good in this film like it, it was. is fucking phenomenal and it, it really does do great exploration of grief with her parents wanting to move on and her feeling guilty like why couldn't I save my sister and thinking that she's found her and you know questioning how much of these the violence that she watched did that affect her like it's a really really good movie and very British um you know I was talking about the video nasties and in Britain in in that time like yeah. you know it's it's very much something of the culture and I, I don't know that third act around alone man talk I still get an anxiety watching it because you yeah. know she's gonna hurt the actor and it's just you're watching this happen and you just want someone to intervene and stop her and obviously no one does because they don't see it coming um but yeah it's it's intense yeah like uh the only one i didn't get anxiety from and i actually kind of cheered her on for was uh when she ends up pushing the producer because the producer just like pushes himself upon her oh you mean heart heart harvey weinstein yeah pretty much (laughs) and she like (laughs) basically he's a harvey weinstein that's who he is yeah yeah Yeah. he pushes she pushes him and he falls on the table and that trophy just goes right through his fucking mouth and just oh yeah he's a piece of shit what does he say to her why did you come here if it wasn't to fuck me like right along those lines i was piece of shit like oh he was a yeah vile vile human so he deserved what happened to him but the the actor did not the and everybody else on set did not need to experience what they were put through because now they're going to be fucked up from this and man yeah yeah, it was uh this was definitely uh grief taken way too far and not seeking help or therapy and what how affect how that affected her and yeah that's totally just like everything happened in her head and yet now she's completely gone yeah i agree and i think if we you know sum up all four movies and we look at you know the uk connection this is yet another example of how uk films can come up with mental health mixed with supernatural and do a really good job of it you know i didn't find it like yet again i go back to the turning the american film that came out last year the year before 2020 i think um yeah, it was 2020 yeah. oh, what a fucking piece of shit haunted house film that was like mental health at the end of it and just so poorly done like just so yeah. poorly done and i'm sorry for people that like the lodge but this these films have nothing on the lodge um 
they're much better made. They're better acted. They're the scripts are better. The build up to understanding mental illness is better. Um, it's just better movies. They're more interesting. Like I find that the UK does a much better job of presenting the supernatural mixed with the mental illness side with a lot more respect, generally speaking. Yeah. Um, and you know, I think all these are worth worth your view. If you haven't watched these yet, then or you want to do a rewatch, it's worth the rewatch as well. I can definitely say rewatching Saint Maud and Sanser was worth my time. Absolutely. Yeah, these were all really good films and good ones to talk about on this topic. Well, I guess that kind of sums up our our Will's films. Will's film. (laughs) 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 Oh man, that that song makes me that movie makes me sad. The one about um Orca. Oh I have a hard time mm, watching Orca. Yeah, that that film was tough. Yeah. Um such an animal rights activist anyway uh for out of the dark we've been talking about different uh supernatural creatures and i thought the one that was best with this was ghosts because we're kind of talking about supernatural so i just thought scotty and i could talk about what are our favorite types of ghost movies uh, you know what is the scariest we all know my love for the turning um i don't like the turning you know, anything from paranormal activity where you really don't see much except for shit moving around um, and people being pulled and dragged by an invisible entity until you get into the later films um, is is pretty creepy. I don't know. What what do you think, Scott? Or do you like the cast for the friendly ghost and <laughs> seeing the actual ghost? Nope. I'm I'm all about like the ghost being technically invisible, like mm. like um, poltergeist does it really well i mean obviously there are parts where you do see like the tree monster coming out of the closet or whatever but for the most part like in poltergeist the way they do it with like you're just getting fucked with by this invisible entity that's or multiple invisible entities um another one that i thought did it really well um it's it's a very very uncomfortable film and holy shit i just had a brain fart what the fuck is the name of it oh okay uh sorry uh, but uh that's okay the barbara hershey starred film the entity oh the entity okay. that one is a very uncomfortable film because this spirit is uh sexually assaulting uh barbara hershey and it's like basically focused on tormenting her and her specifically but it's an invisible force never says anything till the very end but it's just like it's very abusive physically and just like mean and just like it's haunting and terrifying and the very end line when she thought she defeated it and she comes home and all you hear is welcome home cunt and it just ends it is the most chilling fucking thing i've ever sat through um so yeah pretty much anything with the supernatural that is invisible entities invisible forces something that is not tangible that you can't see and not sure where it's going to be it's pretty much everywhere at the same time mm-hmm. that is the type of ghost that freaks me out like the changeling something that's invisible that and can be anywhere and it's just it relies on sounds it relies on maybe cold air grabbing you making you do things against your will um or in the changeling he does finally see what happened in the final scenes right he sees what happens to joseph so i agree there's those ghost movies like conjuring starts off with those and then it moves more into actually seeing the entities um Mm -hmm. the first conjuring i think was really great for that and then after that it just became a cheap haunted house at you know niagara falls where you just have jump scares the entire time i think the grudge does like japanese films do a really good job of human-like looking ghosts that show up 
Um, one of my favorite scenes will always be in the remake of The Grudge of uh, with the ghost crawling down the stairs towards Sarah yes. Michelle Geller. Um, and I also really like some subtle like historical ghost stories. Like I like the woman in black quite a bit. And I like how she is presented at times in that film or in the orphanage, how those kids are presented um, yeah. as ghosts in there too. I do like the traditional, this is how I died. This is how I, you know, come back. Same, it can be said in Stir of Echoes, which is another excellent movie where Kevin Bacon puts together what happened to a young girl who was murdered in his house um, through visions of her and, and what happened to her. So, and, you know, you got the sixth sense too, where the kid can see people that have died and what they look like when they died. And a scene that always disturbed me in the sixth sense is that guy that's like, do you want to see where my dad keeps his gun collection? And half of his brain's blown off. That fucking yeah. scene creeped the fuck out of me. And then you got like, you know, fun ghost movies like The Frighteners, for example, which are a little bit silly. Um, you know, the ghosts are like kind of comical relief that exists in that combined with some evil ones. We also have the ghosts from Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Yep. And 13 right? Ghosts. 13 Ghosts. There's some comical shit in that as well. Um, it's it's interesting. Like that, I guess Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark isn't comical. Though, you know, I guess you could argue Harold the Scarecrow and some other shit that happens in it is a little comical at times. Right. But um, yeah, it's it's interesting the ghost stuff that comes through. And and we talked before whether we believe in ghosts or not. I know I do. I can't remember where you stand on it. Um I'm kind of I'm skeptical, but I also can't say for sure. If, like I believe one way or the other. So if you think so, what makes a good ghost movie to you? If they have the budget, is that the only time they should show an entity? I don't, not even the budget, because um, a lot of the time, what I like about, uh, especially in ghost films, is if you if you do reveal there to be an entity, you can't fully see it detail wise. Like it's kind of either fuzzy or blurry or shadowy, mm. so it's always hidden away a bit. Like uh, so, with nothing in uh, the Nighthouse last year. Yes. Okay. Where like even if it didn't have a good like a. Because Nighthouse had a pretty decent budget. Yeah. But you don't need a budget to do something like that. Like where, you know, I don't like the ones where it's like, here's the ghosts up close, personal details. Like, so like you have your 13 ghosts, like all detailed and bloody and stuff like that. Now I like it where it's just kind of like subtle, like the, like you said, the Japanese ghosts, like a lot of the Japanese ghosts, you don't see much besides their body because a lot of their face is covered by their long hair. And they are just like, they just move all distorted, like, which is kind of unsettling as hell. Yeah, the distortion look of it almost looking like it's like a camera taking pictures over and over kind of reminds me of the Japanese film or the Thai film Shutter. Yes. Where he's trying to figure out where the ghost is at the end. And then he takes a selfie, basically. And he realizes that the ghost is latched onto him. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and he constantly is sore, like his shoulders and stuff are always sore. Um, yeah, I agree. I, I do like that for sure. What about the, what about found footage ghost films, like Grave, Grave Encounters and stuff like that? See, those are the type I really do dig. Cause, uh, like those ones feel realistic, like the most realistic style of ghosts, like, um, or like Mike, like Mongo as well, I guess you could put in there yes. too. Where it's like you don't really see a ghost, but shits you catch like subtle shit happening on screen that, of course, for movie's sake, gets amped up by the third act or whatever. But like, yeah, you don't see anything there, but you see just things out of place and things like, mm -hmm. or you might, or it's like a trick of the trick of the lighter, trick of the camera, where you yeah. might see something in the background, like, but you can't really tell. And 
Like Lake Mungo does an amazing job with that, where you like where it goes back through like certain scenes at the very end. You see the ghost in most of those pictures, just subtly just hidden back there, and that's that's what I mean by like yeah, like you don't see the full detail of the ghost. Like it's just kind of blended in with where uh, blending in with its surroundings in a way, and. Yeah, those are the one. Those are like the ghost stories I really fucking dig. When the found footage ones do it right, like Grave Encounters, like Mungo, stuff mm-hmm. like that, because it's very just unsettling and creepy. And like I said, I feel could happen. Obviously, like not the third act most of the time, because the third act is always ramped up for horror's sake. But like leading up to it with all the subtle shit happening, I could feel that being real. Do you prefer movies where the ghost has pure intentions? Like um, there's one that just came out on Shutter that I told you about the social service worker who goes to the house. I don't know if you had a chance to see it yet, but there's a ghost in that that has more pure intentions or even um, let's see, what would be another movie where the ghost has pure intentions and it's trying to crimson peak mm. um, or do you prefer that they're more malicious? Like in we're still here or oh, i forgot about yeah we are still here right? Fuck. or what's another one the conjuring films all of them those ghosts had all you know poor intentions um there's another one where the ghosts the others i guess it's kind of stuck i wouldn't say she had bad intentions i just think that they were stuck in a situation where they didn't know that they were dead similar to the sixth sense yeah i've never um, seen the others oh no no. I just spoiled it for you. Sorry. I, I mean, I've heard, I've known about that movie for okay. a while. Okay, you, you knew what happened? Okay, yeah. good. I'm glad um, I didn't ruin it for you. But yeah, like... Uh, like, basically, do you like hmm. your ghosts to be protagonists or angry antagonists who you think you appease them so they're going to be done? Like, in The Woman in Black, they thought they appeased her, and then as Daniel Radcliffe leads the house, it's like, never forgive, never forgive, never forgive, never forgive, never forgive. Man. And then eventually takes him and her, his son. That is a tough question, actually. Yeah. Um, I think I have to lean more towards malicious, but like certain films where it has good intentions, like uh, We Are Still Here has that like malicious, but the ghost family mm-hmm. has good intentions of getting revenge on the people that fucked them over. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I'd, I'd say more malicious because uh, another one I want to bring up in the found footage topic, the Hell House series. Yes, yes. Like those movies, fucking creepy as fuck. Um, but yeah, I, I think I like my ghost to be more malicious and mean. You know, the movie that I think did it well with some ghosts being the protagonist and some being bad was Windchill. So Windchill we watched and it was the one where the couple crashes, like they're just called boy and girl, or maybe I didn't watch that with you. And they crash and they see the cop that is bad. The priests are good. And then eventually the guy dies and becomes a good ghost. But there I thought was a really good intermixing of good and bad ghosts, like good intention, like intention to help and intention to hurt. Yes. And they were kind of competing against each other. Yeah, I completely forgot about that one because, yeah, we watched that in preparation for our winter horror films. Right. Uh, same with Soul Survivor. Those ghosts, like that whole story of Soul Survivor is really interesting, too. I don't know if I've seen that one. Soul Survivor is very much like, remember um, the Campfire Tales, the ending yeah. of Campfire Tales? 
So that that's like this movie Soul Survivors. Okay. Where some people haven't made it, some people have, and you're kind of like trying to figure out where everybody stands. Of course, like the most ultimate friendly ghost is Casper. Right. Right. And Devin, Devin Sawa, mm. will you keep me? And I saw that when I was 13. I was like, no, Devin Sawa. <laughs> <laughs> My heart yeah. is yours. Then I see him now and I'm like, Devin Sawa? <laughs> Like, right, and, I, and he looks fine. I just I'm shocked at how he's aged. Right, right. Um, tigers are not afraid. That's an un- another one where the ghosts are kind of protagonists. Um, yes, trying to help. Right, so it's just it's interesting. And then you know one of my favorite ghost movies of all time is Changeling. And um, you know in that ghost, I think he's just trying to get the truth out. I yes. think he just wants the truth to be known. Right. I don't necessarily think he's a protagonist or an antagonist. I think he just wants freedom so it's just it's interesting how we have these different ghost movies and the role that the ghost takes on either the ghost is helpful or wants the truth to be revealed doesn't want to hurt anybody but wants the truth to reveal or wants vengeance and is evil or angry or whatever the case may be and wants justice for whatever happened yep i completely agree like i it's because ghost covers a wide range Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm Mm-hmm. And it's interesting how then like something like the skeleton key where, you know, she ends up getting kind of pulled into the ghost stuff and the, and the witchcraft that comes with it. Yeah. There's just so many movies out there and we're just naming a whole bunch of ghost films. Like, and of course, you know, there's the classic with Vincent Price, the, is it the Hill House or? Uh, house on Haunted Hill. House on Haunted Hill, right? Like Which that one's more just uh, an actual haunted house, like a prank style haunted house throughout the movie. Right. Except for the remake. Wasn't the remake more? Yeah, the remake was true ghosts. Right. So yeah, it's, it's really really interesting and are you tired of ghost films i guess is my final question for you um i'm tired of the conjuring jump scare ghosts okay i want more of the foreboding and kind of ch- uh ones that give run have chills running up my spine like hell house grave encounters shit like lake mungo stuff that makes me just go fuck that's creepy yeah like not the whole (laughs) 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 like like we're going through a fucking rinky dink haunted house i agree yeah i agree like Um, if you can do it subtly without the music cues and all that stuff and just make it creepy like because with ghosts i find uh the more subtle the better I agree. And you know what I'm also sick of? And this is just my own personal thing. I'm tired of these ghosts getting pissed at people that move into their house that had nothing to do with what happened before. All right. Like they're not your problem. If you want to show them what happened and they get justice for you, that's fine. But stop taking it on other people whose fault it wasn't. Own your shit ghosts. Own your shit (laughs) Japanese horror films. Listen to your ghosts. Everyone that moves into the fucking grudge house doesn't need to be murdered, okay? Just because you walk by that fucking house, you don't need to be murdered. Samara with their videotapes, you need to get the fuck over it. All right. right. It's been years. All it's right. Been years of this shit. Stop it. <laughs> That's what I'm honestly sick of. And you know, for people that love the ghost revenge shit, knock your socks off. I'm just tired of that. I do like ghosts revealing the truth of what happened. Yeah, like we are still I here. Do like, yes, I do like that. Um, I do like that kind of story, and I do enjoy um well done creepy hauntings, but I don't like when my ghosts are malicious all the time for no reason. Like I don't. I find that annoying. Like, unless they're haunting someone that did them wrong, then I get that. Right. right? Or uh, what is another one? Legend of Hell House, uh, where the spirit that is haunting this place was an evil, malicious man in the first place before he died. And then 
So when he is a ghost, he is fucking with these people because he is malicious and evil and depraved in the first place. Yeah, I agree. That's the kind of stuff I like as well, too. You know, if you're evil to begin with and you're a bad person and you keep being bad when you die, that makes sense. Yeah. But if you die and like you're trying to get revenge, fine, on the people that did it, but like randoms, leave the randoms alone. Yeah. They didn't do anything to you, ghosty. <laughs> Just chill out. Chill out. Have a Coke. <laughs> relax. Yeah. Go to the, what is it? Uh, go to the Winchester, have a pint, and just wait for this all to blow over. Oh man, that's another good ghost movie. The one. All right, Winchester. I know people don't always love it. But oh, that the Winchester was movie. House? Yes, but that was a movie where, you know the twist. Have you seen it? I've never seen it. I didn't bother with that because I oh, heard so many bad reviews. Fuck no, Scott, you got to watch it. It's not that bad. You got to watch it. Okay. I, who, who told you it was bad? It was just on podcasts. You know what? I It's not the best ghost movie of all time, but there was a twist in it that I did not see coming. Oh, okay. Wow. Like, and I'm pretty good at twists. George yeah. and I both saw it and we were both like, what the fuck? Like we were saw it in the theater years ago and it was it was honestly like i don't know i think it's i think it's yet again i don't think it's the best ghost movie ever but i think it's pretty decent i think you should watch it i want to give it a shot yeah give it a shot because i don't think it's as shitty as people make it out to be right I've, well and i've learned that over the years like right. that yeah majority hate it i usually find it okay yeah because we scott and i have we fucking roll you know <laughs> we we respect the game we respect exactly the so our, we will have one more episode that will be recorded, uh, that will be released when I'm away flying on my little airplane Whee! Um, to the UK. We'll do one last episode of British horror that will be, I guess, British horror in general. Um, I don't know what we're going to do. I think we'll do American Werewolf in London, but I'm not sure about the other ones that we're going to do. Um, yeah. Maybe Scott will want to pick some. I don't know. Yeah, we'll, we'll look through because there is a lot when it comes to British horror. There is a lot. I mean, we could do Shaun of the Dead. We could. That's fun. That's a fun movie. Oh, I can love Shaun of the Dead. <laughs> it's so funny. The Dire Straits shit always makes me laugh because I love Dire Straits. Um, but yeah, thank you as always for tuning in and listening to us. I hope you've enjoyed our conversation about ghosts. Um, and don't ghost. Don't ghost. Yeah, don't ghost, people. It's me. Don't, don't be a ghost. Um, and if you are a ghost, take revenge out on the right people. Exactly. Brought to you by. Uh, as always, you can find us on the Legion Podcast Network. Please subscribe. And as always, we have our Legion Patreon where you can get lots of uh, new shows, new content. Bo is constantly still putting stuff out on that. So if you haven't joined Legion Patreon yet. What are you waiting for? <laughs> what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? <laughs> He's playing games with us. He's watching us right now. What are you waiting for? <laughs> uh, by like, the way, uh, good friend Xander Kane messaged me a gif of that exact scene and goes, this will be forever. I will forever hear you screaming. What, uh, what are you waiting for from now on? <laughs> and you know why? Because he's in the same age, age category as you and us, you and I. And when that movie came out, it was the bomb digs. Okay. Like that's why when people shit on teenage horror now, I'm like, fuck off. Like, you know what you did last summer wasn't a great fucking movie. I don't care what anyone says. It's not. But you get, you you have nostalgia for it. Yeah. You know, just like you do for Final Destination and Idle Hands and a bunch of other that shit that came out, right? It was just exactly. fun shit that came out at that time. But the Jennifer Love Hewlett scene was like, she's losing her fucking mind yelling on the street corner. And we, <laughs> we analyzed that movie. We covered it. And we were like, there's so many plot holes in this film. That's so dumb, but it, it <laughs> like, was entertaining. Oh my God. <laughs> make any fucking sense but you know people still love it so um 
So thank you as always for listening. We will see you next time for our last little episode before I go off on my world travels. Please check us out on uh, the internal, the internal, the internal spotless, no, eternal the internal darkness. darkness of the spotless, not so spotless mind podcast with Kate and Matt. We will be recording that tomorrow. Um, shenanigans to come. And we're going oh, to be talking. Be interesting. But they play games and shit too. Like they, it's like parlor games. They're so yeah. British. We should probably listen to your fucking something when we're doing that with them. Well, <laughs> yeah, they wanted us games. to bring a, they want us to bring like an alcoholic beverage to the table to drink while we're talking about it's it. It's noon. I was like, for us, it'll be freaking noon. So we got stuff to do. <laughs> Look, Kate and Matt, you know, I really wish you guys understood time zones. Like, honestly, <laughs> maybe you have a problem, Matt, but the rest of us don't. <laughs> Matt, you just hear that? You can call it out over here. You know why? Because he's been running smack about like, oh, I got to meet up with Heather and Kate because Scott will be there. Oh, Tim Davis from Australia. Oh, it's just you coming to Australia, Heather. Oh, I wish Scott <laughs> was coming to Australia, Brendan. Oh, Heather, it's just you coming to visit me in New Jersey. I wish Scott was coming to visit me in New Jersey. You know what, Scott? Why don't you just go? <laughs> once i get a passport people once i get a passport yeah like obviously hashtag we all love scott um <laughs> hashtag heather sucks <laughs> it's okay heather i'll pat you on the head it's okay yeah it's okay scott you know build my ego up next weekend okay let's just talk about how like great i am for my well, you, birthday you, you know i will i got you i got you all i know is i better get some really nice fucking happy birthday messages from matt tim and brandon because <laughs> all i hear is how they wish that i was scott and i a can't grow a beard like scott can um i don't know how to play magic <laughs> i'm not gonna learn next and weekend I, don't have... I can teach you oh no we're not doing that scott. We're doing all... <laughs> that that's all we're doing thing. all weekend this is your birthday no gift. that is my not... birthday oh my God. gift to you is teaching you how to play magic so we're gonna have be a better happen person. it's gonna be me slicing you up we're gonna be doing sensor <laughs> too that's what's gonna be happening next weekend then um but yeah you know the hashtag everyone loves Scott, which they should. All the memes are for Scott. I come out and say one person called me their favorite podcaster, and Scott's like, "Well, no one did that about me." <laughs> like, I diva. mean, technically, no one has said that I'm their favorite. Well, they all say it with their words, Scott. They make fun of me. They all say, say I'm like, a sexy boy when I'm like, "Oh, I come visit," and they're like, "Oh," and then <laughs> like, "But is Scott gonna come visit?" I'm like, well, yeah, I guess. Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. I'm just like, I'm, you know, you're on the main motorcycle and I'm on the sidecar. <laughs> that's, that's how this works. Unfortunately, I dare I do a mean of that because it really does sum up how we're, how we're viewed. <laughs> oh, uh, I love it, it. But until next time, um, thanks for listening. And what do you have to say to good people, Scotty? Until next time, kitties. Unpleasant dreams. See ya. Yeah.